Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on The Real Estate Podcast. I am Todd Sumney, the Chief Industry Officer for HomeSmart International. And today we are going to continue our anonymous interviews with top producing agents who are going to share secrets and tactics and going to tell their story so that you can learn from them so that you can grow your real estate business. That's the purpose of the real estate uh, podcast is to help all of you grow your real estate businesses. And today I am very excited about the two guests that we have. We have a husband and wife team who are both realtors who lately have been just knocking it out of the ballpark. And uh, they, I'm just so excited for what they're doing in their business and I can't wait for you to hear their stories. Now I'll let them tell their story, but they have two very different paths. Um, one has been in real estate longer than the other and because this is the anonymous series, I'm gonna call them Realtor One and Realtor Two. I might call it husband or wife at one point to try to uh, let them know who I am talking to on the podcast here. But uh, either way, just so excited about what that they are going to uh, share with all of you today and you all are in for a treat. So without any further ado, welcome realtor number one and realtor number two. How are you today? Hello, hey. we're doing good. Yeah, thank you Thanks for, for having us. us. That's awesome. Awesome. All right. So we're going to go back. Here's the general gist of what we're going to try to cover. We're going to go back to the beginning and we want to talk about when you first got into real estate and what you did to get your businesses off the ground and, you know, specific tactics. How did you start a database? How did you get organized? And what were your transactions like in the first year? And then the one question, what do you wish someone had told you way back when in your first year? What do you wish someone had told you way back when? Uh, then we're going to move into, okay, uh, you started to take your business off. Um, your business started to take off. At some reason point, you reached a tipping point. And then, you know, we're going to fast forward to what you're doing today because your business together is, and also separate, is really booming right now. And so we want to talk about what you've done in just the last couple months, what daily tactics you're doing, what does your week look like, what does your month look like, what does your budget look like, all those kinds of things. So does that sound like a plan? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right, and then we're also gonna cover all that social media and all those marketing uh, specifics as well. So without any further ado, uh, we'll start with realtor number one who is in the business first. Tell us a little bit about your story. How many years have you been a licensed realtor? And I think I've been a licensed realtor now for um, 15 years. So I got into the business and 2006 is when I got in. I was 22. Um, I looked like I was probably 15. I owned no real estate at the time and that was my beginning. So I, uh, I'd asked my mom what I could do for a living that would make good money um, and, and not go to college. And she recommended be a UPS driver or a realtor. I don't know how those go together, but those are my options that I got. And so I went to a real estate school and then um, Took me quite a while to pass that real estate test quite a few times and then I got into real estate. So the first year, I actually don't think I closed any real estate for my first six months. Um, you know, I was, I was told in school, real estate school, that you know, you probably won't do it. So uh, you probably won't close any deals for your first, you know, few months, six months. And so, right. I think, um, you know, that might've been something that I would teach differently. I think that's in real estate school, they tell you that and then you just feel like that's the truth. Um, so I, I wish I would have, had a different belief system at the time because I feel that you can do it much quicker. But um, love hearing that. I yeah, love hearing that. I think it's something that you know is told a lot in school, and so like you kind of come into the business with that belief system, and then you almost use it as a little bit of an excuse. Now, I'm not saying that it's not hard; it's super hard to get started. But I feel like you know you can definitely go much quicker. And I think if you're leveraging like podcasts and listening to people and trying to learn from their experiences that you can do it sooner. Um, I would, I would agree with you. And I think that it comes down to, we have a phrase we use a lot, work smarter, not harder. And I think it's that if you know the right things and you start doing the smarter things first, that you're going to have traction and you can get results. Yeah. So I love, I love hearing that. It was, oh. it was 2006. I think I'd been a realtor for six years, or I mean six months, and uh, I had no closed transaction. Interestingly enough, my first transaction, which I was thankful for, was actually a listing. 
um, which usually isn't the first piece of business that you do sitting at someone's kitchen table and telling them what you're going to charge them. Right. Um, and what was really awesome about that is, you know, this person, you know, I, I looked very young and it was my first transaction. They didn't know that, but it just goes to show you that I think in doing this for 15 years, I don't, I probably had one or two people that have ever asked me like how many transactions I've ever did. Right. But that's another like limiting belief that we have in our mind that, you know, someone like realistically is going to ask you how much business you did when you're first starting. So six months in first deal was a listing and I sold that in 14 days. And that was really cool to learn the listing side of the business first. Cause I realized like the leverage right there that that was, you know, if you could go pick and choose what you wanted in this business, it was definitely listings. Cause you could, you know, do a lot more with your time or sell a lot more and not spend as much time as a buyer. Um, so I was super thankful for that. And then in that 14 days that I had that sign up, I got a sign call and that's when I learned what sign calls were. And this was 2006. So this was really before you got a lot of online leads and I'm sure people were doing it, but I definitely wasn't. And so sign calls for several years there were like the online lead. It was, it was gold. It was solid. Like if somebody called off your sign, that was business. And so I got like two calls off that sign while it was up and one of them went and bought a house. So my first, my first deal was a listing. And then my first buyer was off of that listing. So I learned really quick that, you know, if you get a listing, you can leverage that people are going to actually call your phone, close that guy, helped him buy a house. And then, um, you know, I only closed six transact six transactions in 2006. So that was my first year. So, and I didn't close one for the first six months. So really I closed one a month after that. I think just once you you know, do a deal, especially a listing, then get a buyer from it. I think you just get traction, you get confidence. And then from there, you just realize that you can, you can do it. Um, then in 07, I did six deals. So I didn't really go accomplish much more. So interesting that I did six deals my first year and didn't start until the last half of the year. And then in 07, all I did is six. So I was doing one every two months. So right, nothing stellar there, but still I had come from doing construction, um, and I wasn't making that much money. So at the time, not having a family, really any bills, you know, six deals actually at the time could keep me afloat. So I felt like I was doing good. It now makes me look back and think that, you know, really your expenses at home are really what makes or breaks a realtor. You know, if you close six deals and you have no expenses or you're debt free, you can live a good life. If you close six deals and have 130,000 in bills a year, it can get a little stressful. So it kind of gave me perspective of, you know, how many deals you're doing might not sound good to one person or other. It all comes down to like how much you have going out the door every month. Exactly. That's why I do think that it is so important to watch those expenses, especially early on and really, you know, watch your spending and just be yeah. smart about it. So, and so at that, at that yeah. time, I mean, the only expenses I really had during those, you know, it's gotten a little bit more pricey these days with some of our systems. But, but um, at that time, I think all I had was a CRM system. I, I believe at the time I used WiseAgent and I still do to this day. Okay. Um, and that, I, I think they went up like $2 over the last 15 years on what they charge them up. And <laughs> awesome. that's, that's just the best. I, I think that's the one thing that I have a lot of people reach out to me that are like, hey, I'm going to go to real estate school. Like, what could you help me with? And I always tell them, Hey, you can't sell real estate while you're in real estate school, but you could get your business up and running. So I had a, a past client call me a few weeks ago and his wife wants to get into real estate. And I said, Hey, so you're gonna have a month or two of getting this license. So instead of getting your license and starting all this stuff, why don't you start all this stuff? And when you hit the ground, you know, when you get your license, you're actually ready to roll. So, you know, I just went over with her and said, Hey, why don't you, um, what I want you to do today is, or over the next few days is, you know, take a spreadsheet and write down it. Think of everybody that you know who lives in Arizona. You know, don't even think of like what their phone number is. Don't think of their email address. Just write, like just in your spreadsheet, think of everybody you know. You'll probably come up with 100, 200 people. And I said, when you get that done, call me. And then like three days later, she texted me and said, hey, I got that done. I said, okay, now let's find out like what their addresses are and maybe their phone numbers. Let's add that. And then a few days later, she said she had that. And then now I said, hey, now get wise agent, you know, 2495 a month or whatever it is. Now start putting them in there. And, you know, you hear from realtors a lot. It's like, oh, I got everybody on my phone and that's, that's good. And you do have everybody in your phone. It's the fact that, you know, when you need to go print out mailers or mass email somebody, it's, the, it's, yeah, we do have all the numbers in our phone. It's just, 
you know, we can't mass email people from our phone. We can't print out labels quickly from our phone. So that's, if we can't really keep notes on people. So that's really the biggest thing I think when starting out is just having a, a, a CRM, a place where you keep all your, your contacts. I think the, the thing most people are always wondering is, you know, what CRM does one agent use over another? And, you know, that's the thing where no specific CRM is going to do the trick. They all do the same thing. They store contacts and they leverage your contacts to, you know, mail them, mass email them. But people are thinking like, Hey, I got to go pick the right one. And it's not really the right one. Just start with one, run with it. And I picked wise agent cause it was cheap. It was easy. It was simple. And we really haven't changed much as far as putting our network in a system. So well, yeah, it just, it just as one little added note, wise agent has a great 14 day concierge program where they really help you once you engage with them over those first 14 days in a row they have somebody literally calling you every day to help you really get in there and get it off the ground because most agents do think they overthink it they yeah. make it too complicated and they never get started well and that's and they're the best i've actually i don't do it anymore but i mean when i was up and you know when i was trying to get this up and running you know, I would email them at like one in the morning and have a question and they, they literally would call you. And I, I actually sat on a plane one time with the owner of that company coming back from a conference from Austin. And I actually overheard him talking to somebody about that strategy. And like, that was his goal was to just, he knew that agents were going to be spending their time usually at late at night trying to get their businesses up and running. So like, that's what he valued, you know, and Brandon is a great, uh, great man. And, yeah. and, and that's you, I overheard his conversation, but it was just really interesting to hear his philosophy on like helping agents out when they need it. And sometimes it's at one in the morning. Exactly. That's and so the CRM was probably our, our, our biggest thing. I mean, that's not going to be just the trick. I mean, you obviously have to have good relationships with these people, but that's definitely a way to put them all in one spot and see right. it. Yep. Um, and then from there, you know, it's just for the first few years, it was, you know, just meeting people and, and not just meeting people, but putting them into a system and which was wise agent. What I was always, I felt decent at is I went to a conference early on and they had just said, Hey, you've got to figure out how to stay in touch with these people. And, you know, I just looked at it like that. I'm like, what do we do? And I'm not much of a, I don't really, I don't really like to call people that much. I'm not very salesy. I, I don't usually, I don't really call anybody and ask for referrals or anything like that. So I thought, Hey, what can I do to, get in front of these people monthly. So we've been doing monthly postcards that just show all the homes that we're selling. And we've been doing that for years. And I think people can even overthink that. Like we, we print our stuff in mass just so we can get better postcard cost. And I mean, probably for four months out of the year, we have all the same homes on the same, I mean, we don't even change the homes because we're buying in bulk. Right. And I always, you know, people overthink that. I think I got to change this every month. And no, we don't do that. And you know, yeah. in marketing, in marketing, we call that frequency. It's frequency. The more frequent, the more important each, each time it's another exposure and each frequency builds more awareness. And so you don't need to overthink it and make it too complicated. It, we often use the phrase in the marketing team, keep it simple and do more. Um, 90% perfect and 100% done is better than 100% perfect and never done right? Exactly. Yeah. So we usually typically change our postcards quarterly. So I mean, on, you know, any given month for the, you know, three months consecutively, they'll get the same postcard. And our thoughts are if they're looking close enough at it to notice they're the same postcard, we're doing our job <laughs> and they're actually doing what we're saying. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think, you know, it, it actually works out. And I think a lot of people like, you know, they just, they do, they overthink it and they think they got to put out fresh new stuff all the time. And it's not, you know, it's, it's just getting out there. And obviously we do update it, you know, quarterly with what we do. And, but it's, um, you know, sending it out is more important, like you said, yeah. Todd. And we had, we, we, we were very clear with what we were trying to accomplish at the time. I wanted people to, you know, I had a thing when I started, I always wanted people to, and this start probably started about 08 is I wanted people to know I sold real estate, but I realized quickly that, you know, there'd be some people that I would talk to and they'd be like, Oh, I'm going to use my brother who's never sold real estate. And I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. Like, as I started growing some traction in the business where I had, a, you know, success, you know, I'd realize, like, I'd talk to people and they'd be like, oh, you know, I got to use the person who was in my church or my brother or whatever. And I would look them up and I would see like, hey, they did very little business. And that's when it made me realize that people are actually more inclined to use their network because they're like, 
they would be nervous to go tell their friends like, or, or their realtor friend, like, Hey, I bought a house and I didn't use you. So we realized quickly, like we, we actually wanted to be people's friends. And this is very genuine when I say it, but we wanted people to like, know we were people first. And then we were realtors second. And we did that through probably about, Oh, 2008. I started doing like personal stuff. Like I would just send random stuff out to people like Starbucks gift cards and just box of brownies. And I would just take my like 50, 60, 70 contacts that I had that were like my core network and just send them stuff, you know? And that's where that I think went well. And then the referrals just started coming in from there. In, right. in 08 is when we, you know, I finally went from six deals to 16 deals. So that's the first year I started seeing some traction and, you know, 16, I thought was at the time, I thought it was a lot. Now that looks like a month. Um, but I mean, in 08, that was really, I thought I had made it. And 09, we did 21 transactions and 10, it was like, in 2010, it was like 36. And, and 10 was the first year, I think I got a, um, and this is kind of where people can see where things come and go and markets go up and down. But in 2010, I believe was the year I got a, an REO account. And for anyone who's new, they wouldn't probably remember what that is, but that's like foreclosure. So, right. um, that was an interesting year because I was getting some listings from the bank. Now, as I say, I had an REO account. I didn't sell a lot, but that was the first year where I got 10, 10 listings from a bank and they said, Hey, go sell these houses for us. And so that's probably why I went from 21 to 36 was from that one relationship that I established with the bank. Right. And that was the year that I actually, I got a buyer's agent and I realized, and, and there's always, there's these thermostats that you go through in business. So in 2010, we did 36 transactions and I had a buyer's agent that probably did like nine of those transactions. And that was the first year that I really started to understand leverage. Like, Hey, people got to start helping. And it also now it's like, a, it's a thermostat thing. So now 36, I could do on my own hands down, no transaction coordinator and no marketing, nothing. So it just shows you like over time, like when I went from 21 to 36, you know, I thought I was as the busiest I could ever be. And now that would be like as slow as I could ever be. So it just shows you like over time, you know, yeah. even though you might be stressed out in this business, you learn to just finally like grow into it. Right. Your heart, your habits start to form around it. You start realizing what you can and can't do. You got to start saying no to more things. And just over time, you like really like you just, your thermostat goes up where you're emotionally, I think, and just physically able to handle it. Um, and then, so yeah, that was the year in 2010 buyer's agent foreclosure business started coming in. And then in uh, 2011, it was like, you know, 28 transactions. And then from there, from 2012 to like 2019, it's just pretty much been in a consistent, like, you know, 40 deals a year. Um, awesome. And, and, and that was, and what was cool about it is those were all referrals. So it wasn't until this year, and we'll get into that a little bit later, and then we'll, we'll bring Brittany because she's been a huge part of that. Um, but uh yeah. So, I mean, yeah, for those times, like, you know, it's just been, it was kind of a slow and steady thing, but you know, I think it's, we learned so much and we really honed in on building our referral base. Now, even before I jumped in, you know, to help out, um, you know, I was still helping out kind of behind the scenes, even when I had my other job, right. um, you know, before I got into real estate full time. And, you know, our biggest thing was how do we, make this the best client experience possible. And that was really our mission because like Chris, or like he had mentioned before is, you know, it's people first, we're people first and these are relationships we're building. And second, you know, is our, is our relationship with them being a realtor, but we're people first. So, you know, during the whole process, you know, we're really careful about every single step and making sure that our clients feel knowledgeable and comfortable and yeah. they know the whole process and making that whole client experience really just next level. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many different parts in the transaction where you can really shine. And, you know, for you, I think as a realtor, it's, it's sometimes easy to feel overwhelmed by, you know, the day to day of it, but we have to keep in mind, you know, even though we see it every single day, you know, our clients, this is, this is a once every maybe 10 years purchase for them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this, it's important to make them feel heard and you know, they feel comfortable with every step. So, um, I think in those last, you know, these last maybe six years or so, that's what we put intentionally our focus on is how do we make mm -hmm. this the best client experience that, you know, they, these people could have and that where they would, you know, like willingly go and tell their family and friends like you this was so easy you know or or we just had the best time and 
you know, we really felt like this was something that, you know, we thought it was going to be difficult and, you know, we, we worked with them and it, and it wasn't, <laughs> it was really easy and fun. So that's what we really try to put a focus on. And we do several different things during the transaction to help make them feel that way. That's why I love this interview series. Cause I, I hear the same consistent themes over and over again, when I talk to the agents that really have solid, booming, growing businesses and those themes that you're talking about come out, relationships, people, serving, giving, providing information, I'm here to help, helpful, you know, just the empathetic, you know, empathy of wanting to take care of people. I hear that coming through in your voices and in your story, and I also know because I've watched you, um, that speaks volumes, so keep- Yeah, and that's, that's super, like, that's, that's our biggest thing. Like when we get out now on calls in the morning, um, you know, with the few of us on it. And that's my, that's my biggest thing is just making everyone realize that like, this is like, we give these people all of our energy. Like this is when, when we sign up, we're giving them our all, like, you know, you got, you got things you need to do in your personal life and things like that. But like we're in a market right now where houses sell in like four minutes. Right. So like, I'm like, when you sign up with people, like, it's, it's hard to tell them like, Hey, I'm taking the day off while you lose your dream house. And so we serious and right. Yeah. Brittany's right. Like we've had and one, one other thing when you say systems. Um, so like as we were growing, we were very, very uh, systematic with spreadsheets. So like we've always had spreadsheets in our business, one for our finances. It's very detailed. And one was for our like process. So we have like listing checklist and buyer checklist and, those are super detailed. I mean, it's not just like, you know, earnest money needs picked up. It's like, what do you, you do you use, the, do you use the Excel files to do that? Or do you use the we, wise agent? Cause wise agent has those as well, right? Or they do. do. They, they do. And, and, and I use wise agent more of just literally like it's a database that holds my stuff. I don't really do much out of it outside of that. My, my brain thinks more spreadsheety. So right. I need to see everything like all at once instead of things being behind stuff in a computer but here's the thing. That's okay. Yeah. That is okay. I, I, I am, I hear from agents all the time about how powerful Excel is and, or a spreadsheet program, whatever spreadsheet program you're using mm-hmm. because yeah, it's and it was, so fast and easy. It's more of like, cause we kept it. It's, it's, we know the real estate process, you know, really good, but it was more of like, so that we, and now that we have our assistant, you know, like we literally have the emails written that like go out. Like when, it says like earnest money email and she sends that out. And then we know at what time we send like right after the appraisal, when she checks the box appraisal, she has to send out the appraisal email. And that's like, you know, I mean, it's an email that has all the city's utility links where they can transfer their utilities. And it has a link in there to change their, you know, mailing address with the USPS and you know, how the final walkthrough is going to go. And so it's like, it's, it's, we're just, we're looking at this from their point of view, like what, where, where are their hangups going to be? And so, now, if you do enough transactions, you realize like they, everyone has almost the same exact questions. So, and you know when they're going to be, so why not just send them something that's going to like, we're just thinking of it like, Hey, they're going to ask us this in six days. We know, we know that. So let's get this over to them now. And then we always feel like if we're giving them answers before it's even a problem for them, they don't even go around it. There's already enough things in the transaction that we can't control that cause hiccups that we want anything that we can be in control of. Like we want them to know like, Hey, we're solving this before you even thought of it. Right. Okay. So pulling out golden nuggets real quick for the, the audience, um, obviously a CRM and a database right out of the gate and very, very crucial to your business. Obviously you have a cell phone. Um, at some point along the way, you started to get a website, social media accounts. We can talk about that in a minute, but Excel, has been another tool, something that you've used over and over. And I heard you say that you're capturing, you know, your uh, verbiage content. Once you have that letter written that goes out after they get earnest money, you don't have to recreate it from scratch every single time. You have it systematized. You have the letter written, you know when it's supposed to go out and you just use it over and over again. The same with your postcards, et cetera. Is it- and, Absolutely. Then, and then so some other marketing that we do that people might be interested once a year, we probably started this in 2010, but once a year we send out a letter and it's got a magnet and our magnet looks just like our business card. And it just tells the people how they can send us referrals. It says, Hey, you know, this is how many transactions we did last year or, or something like that. And 
you know, this is how, these are the seven scenarios that you might run into this year that you could refer us business. And it just says like all seven things, like, you know, somebody's downsizing, somebody's upsizing, you hear somebody relocating, somebody get a divorce, somebody, you know, a death in the family. We're letting them know like what those seven or eight things are that you might hear that we might be able to enter in and help people out. So once a year that letter goes out, it rarely changes. It's kind of the same letter every year with a magnet. And what's cool about that is like, I go into some of my clients' houses and you'll see like five or six magnets on their fridge. And it's, it's really nice to see that some people actually like save them. I were very realistic to know that probably 70% of people throw them away and we're fine with that. Um, so we do that letter once a year. We do postcards every month. And then we, we used to do birthday cards back in the day. I have to say we don't do those anymore. But if I was first starting out and had more time, I would 100% still do that. And then uh, we do we do New Year's cards every year. And uh, and I think some people, they, they start thinking of the cost too much. They'll be like, oh, that's going to cost me, you know, $250, $300. And that's where I think, you know, people really go wrong is they don't realize that they have to, you know, that $300 go a long way. It's built our business for sure. So, I mean, if you've got to skip like three meals going out a month to get to that, I, I 100% would do that. I would, I would cancel those going out and eat, drinking coffees to invest in your business if you have to. Love it. Love it. Okay. So let's, uh, let's talk planning and goals for a minute. Mm-hmm. When did you really at some point start to set goals and, or do you, and, you know, kind of put some planning and then really march to that. Do you, do you do that every year? Is that something that you did? Absolutely. We do that every year. And this kind of goes into like my story as well. So, you know, when I joined um, in real estate with him, um, you know, we would, he has always been a goal setter from day one. I mean, he always has written down his goals, you know, business plans, probably on a, if not nightly basis, uh, definitely a weekly basis. You know, we're looking over our numbers all the time. And even before I joined in real estate, you know, we'd look it over together and see where there was room for improvement. Um, however, when I joined, um, a it's been a little over a year now since I left uh, my last career and, and joined in real estate. And, you know, we obviously do, um, we do a, a, you know, business planning for the upcoming year, probably start in October doing that. Um, you know, we kind of think about, you know, how many people we'd like to help for the next year, you know, what our numbers, our goals for our sales volume are, you know, how much it is for units. And, you know, we work all the numbers backwards. So that is definitely something that we do every single year. Um, Then we also break it down, you know, by month and then by week. And we have a goal board in our office of all of our units we want to hit and then also our sales volume. Um, We track where we should be on a week-to-week basis to know whether or not we're on track to make that goal. Um, And we talk about it all the time. I mean, it's a constant conversation in our house. And I think when you make it part of your daily life, that's when it really truly comes to life. Um, you know, if, if you're setting aside a time, maybe once a year to only talk about it and never tracking it as you go, I mean, you, you don't know how to self-correct. So I think it's important to, you know, have it be a living, breathing conversation and, you know, really track your numbers weekly to see where you're going. Um, and what you can do to improve it. Or let's say you're ahead of schedule, you kind of know, okay, maybe I can relax. <laughs> We're not really that type, but you know, it, 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 you know, you can definitely go that way too. So. Okay. So then hand, hand in hand budgets kind of go with, with planning to, with, with goals, et cetera, too. How, how do you handle the monetary spends? How do you choose how much to spend? Yeah. Spend it on. So we've been, We've been super, super lean. Like our, like if you want to go from like 2006 to probably 2018, we probably didn't spend more than like, I mean, gas was my, gas was my biggest expense in the company. Uh, so that just shows you right there. Like, and I mean, so I, I think we spent probably $1,500 a month, if that on any types of systems. So, I mean, we're, I mean, so we're, we were getting, you know, 40 referrals a year, not spending probably more than a, I mean, probably not even more than a thousand and that's including gas. So right. like, we've just been always very, very lean. I didn't sign up for a lot of stuff now, like to kind of fast forward, like last year, I believe we did, I don't know, probably 40 transactions or so where this year, I think we've already, we've already did 54 with our pendings right now. So you can see where, you know, this year is where we, Woo! 
We'll, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're excited. <laughs> we'll probably close at about, you know, 90, I think. Um, and so we've, we've stepped up a little bit. We can go kind of, we're still heavy referral. We, we always, so at the beginning of this year, to go back to goal setting, so at the beginning of this, this year, we thought, you know, we're doing 40 transactions a year and they're all referrals. So it's super like easy. We don't have to follow up with leads and that's great. And we knew those were always going to keep coming in, but we wanted to do a hundred transactions a year. And it's just, it's hard to get more referrals from your network. You know, your network organically grows with you. You can't force it to do anything. So, you know, you can see we're from 2006, we closed six deals to last year, we probably closed 40. So your, your network grows with you and they refer you as you get more past clients. So we thought, well, how, like, what are we going to do to, if we want to go from 40 to hundred, what do we do? And I think that's where goal planning comes in is just writing down, like, what are the realities? Like, what can we do? We can do open houses. We can do online leads. We can do Zillow. We can do pay-per-click. You know, we can hold a sign on the side of the road and ask for business. We can cold call. <laughs> right. it. We can circle prospect. We can knock doors. So we just write down. It's like, okay, we have like 20 options we can do. And then I had to go with like, what's in my personality. And I'm not, I'm not a cold caller for sure. And there's a lot of things that I'm like, Hey, at first I'm going to like, what am I not going to do? <laughs> And then in, interestingly enough, we, we, we were like, Hey, let's, let's pay for some Zillow leads. And we got into Zillow, like right before they actually switched their program to, you know, what they would call now, like their referral system. Right. And like one month before they did that, we, we paid for leads, I think probably $1,500. We said, we'll pay for leads in a certain part of town. And the next month they're like, Hey, we're not doing that anymore. We're just going to give you a certain amount of leads and we want a referral fee on the back end. And, so that probably started at the beginning of this year. And that, that's been part of our going from 40 to, you know, right. six or wherever we're at now. So that was, that was good. I mean, we do pay them a referral fee, but it's a good business relationship we're in with them. But what, what's important about that is, you know, at the beginning of the year, we said we're only doing 40 transactions, which is great. We want to do more. We wrote down what more looked like. And we knew that we needed about 50 more transactions coming in from some other avenues. We already knew we were going to get 40 referrals a year. And so that was one thing we integrated. And then, so that's done well. And then we also started doing pay-per-click uh, through our website. So we use a company, we, our website's through a company called Real Geeks. And we, we pay for that website monthly, but then we also pay a company to drive traffic to that website. So, I mean, we now spend a, as of August 1st, we're going to be spending a few thousand dollars a month driving traffic, more traffic to that because we've already seen good ROI. Now, I don't handle that. I have an agent that we, I pay for the leads to come in. He handles that specifically, just that, those pay-per-click online leads through Real Geeks. And, you know, we do pretty well with that. So we see a good ROI on our money there. And we also aren't involved anything with that transaction. So it's more of like a buyer's agent involved. And you know, as of today, we've got a few more people that are joining to start handling us with our Zillow leads. Um, right. but, you know, but I want to be like straightforward. I mean, as of now, like you, you know, the, the listeners couldn't get into a Zillow account. That's not how it works anymore. Right. But I don't want people to hear that story and think of like the excuse on why they couldn't get there. I mean, well, in some areas of the country that hasn't rolled out yet. So. Well, there you go. Yeah. So like that's just in a few areas, it's the way it is, but Right. You know, so if somebody's listening now, they might want to look at the future and project it. That's the way it's going. Right. And then right, second, so, we oh, still have online leads that people can definitely, if they want to pay to play and convert online leads, it's there. Right. Have you tried any of the other uh, programs that are referral-based, like say UpCity or some of the other uh, referral networks, uh, referral exchange, any of those things? Have you done any of those? Nope. Nope. So we're like, we got three legs to our business. It's repeat and referrals. Um, we've got our Zillow account. And then we've got our pay-per-click leads. Those are the, our only three we, we do. Awesome. All right, then let's fast forward. Let's talk response time. Yeah. You get a lead. You get something on one of those Zillow or pay-per-click or whatever, or even referral. What's response time like? What processes go into action? What happens? Yeah, so response time is instant. Um, literally, unless we're in an appointment, we're answering that call. Um, so, you know, uh, the Zillow and the pay-per-click come in slightly different, you know, as far as, you know, Zillow, sometimes we get an actual live call. Our pay-per-clicks, however, it's in our process to call within 10 minutes of that lead coming in. 
we want to, you know, find out, you know, how we can help. Is there any tour, uh, properties you would like to tour? And that also translates over to our Zillow. So, you know, our biggest thing is getting the meeting. Um, and it's not, you know, we're not qualifying them over the phone right now. You know, we're not asking them a huge needs list. It's really just how can I best serve you in this moment? Is there a house that you're interested in that you want to go tour today? And that's really what our main goal is. And it's in those first, you know, 10 minutes that that happens. Um, now, obviously, the reason why our team is growing is because we're only two people, right? So we, we can't always answer every single call, nor can we always make every other meeting. But, um, you know, I think it's important to, to, you know, I mean, we we're hungry still. So you got to be hungry and you got to be ready to go on those. Yeah. That's the thing. I think that, you know, like we could have just sat back and said, Hey, 40 referrals a year. That's, you know, that's really good. Um, but we just knew that we wanted more. Um, and to go back to your goal setting, I have to say that I think that that's probably the, like, I think that's the biggest thing you see with agents that are successful is they like truly know, you know, people will say like, what's your big why? And, you know, you can ponder on that your whole life trying to figure that out. I just straight up was like, what do I want to accomplish? And so we've always wanted to buy like, you know, rental properties. And so we kind of stay focused with that. Like if we can close X amount of deals this year, we can buy X amount of rental properties. And that for the last probably like four or five years is what really like, you know, obviously I love helping people buy and sell real estate, but like those are the things that like when I'm thinking like, what am I, you know, like, what am I doing this for, for my family? It's to, you know, make profits to invest them so that I can one day eventually retire. Right. Um, so that's like to go to your goal setting. Like, I think that's truly like the most important thing is like, what, what are you trying to accomplish? Like where, what are you, what are you trying to do with this money? And if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you would do with that, then I don't know if you really can even get through the days that are tough. Uh, because our, our biggest challenges as of right now are just like, just like just having people to actually service these leads. So to, to answer your question on how do we respond to these people? So on the real, on the real geeks leads, which are our pay-per-click leads, we have someone do it for us, but he knows what his, you know, he's supposed to get to him quickly. And sometimes he's in a meeting in camp, but he does his best. And on the Zillow leads, like we want have to get to those leads. Like we're held highly, highly, highly accountable. And if you don't keep your scores at a certain level, you're on. Well, that's what we're hiring for now is more people to handle that because that account can grow as, as big as we can handle. So the more agents we bring on, the more leads they're going to give us. And then our referrals, that one, simple. those usually come to us via text. Most people just text us and say like, Hey, my coworker wants to buy a house or whatever family member. And they just give us their number. We text them, line up a time. We call them. Yeah. But the um, same thing with that too, is it's instant. You know, the second you wait, you're letting more opportunities slip by for someone else to do a better job than you. So, you know, I think the biggest compliment that we usually receive in our reviews is, is that, you know, we're very, very quick to respond and, you know, that we, you know, make them feel heard. So I think that's important, you know, to, to make your client feel like, our, like we have a saying in our office, our biggest thing is to make every one of our clients feel like they are their, our only clients, yeah. you know, and it's kind of, you know, fun to treat them that way because yeah. it just really makes them feel, you know, heard. And that's what everyone wants to feel is heard. And, and we learned the speed, the lead thing, or I, I did at least during the sign call era. I remember when I had a buyer's agent, I would say, Hey, if they call me off that sign, if they call me off my sign and we don't get back to them in one minute, and this was when we probably had 26,000 listings on the market or something like that. I mean, there was six signs on every street. So I was like, if we don't call them back when they call our sign, they keep driving down the road. And if we don't catch them before they catch the other person's sign. So I always visually thought of that, like a client or a buyer driving down a road calling me. And like, that was their opportunity. If we didn't answer, they're not our friends. You know what I mean? They're not going to leave us a voicemail. So they just would drive down the road and call them the next one. So it was, whoever was going to answer that call and talk to that person was who was going to do business with them. So, you know, that many sign calls anymore now that the internet's around, but we, we treat it. My, the online leads to me are the same thing. They're people that are, they're virtually driving down a road wanting a house and they're just waiting for someone to pick up. And the hard, the hard part of that business for most realtors is, and even myself is your conversion rate. Like, I mean, we convert probably 95% of our referrals to a deal. That's, you know, it's simple, it's fun. But when you're getting like a hundred leads a month via pay-per-click, you just got to realize like you're in a business where 
if you spend a thousand dollars and get a hundred leads and close one transaction and that makes you $10,000, like 99 people not answering their phone or hanging up or whatever. Like if you just can get to that one person, you have a great ROI. It's, it takes a certain type of person that knows they're going to contact a hundred people back in one month and only one person's going to transact with them. Uh, but I think if you can get past it, you know, don't take it personal and you're just, you know, you're trying to run a business at that point, you're, you're fine. Awesome. These have all, this, this has been so full of great insight and tactics. And um, what I want to do here real quick, I want to rifle through a couple quick things just because I know that you have a hard stop because you've got an appointment to go sell some more business. So uh, I love the underlying you're serving, you're serving, you're helping people that comes through in every answer. I just commend you. That's awesome. But let's talk social media. Um, I know you said you have three legs. Uh, I just want to know how social media fits into that and all your different social media accounts. I want to talk about listing and buyer appointments. Just what, what are the, what's the secret of that, what you do uh, quickly on that, then leveraging listings. You were talking about you have the sign in the yard. How do you leverage that into more business? And then lastly, what does your day look like right now? What does a week look like? Literally some tactics, you know, like, what do you do? Do you time block? What's your, I get up at 5 a.m. every day. This is what I do. I do this. Or I get up at 10 a.m. every day. I golf and then, you know, whatever it is, I just want to know. So those are my things real quick. So social media, so how's it fit in? Social media, um, you know, we both have Facebook accounts. We both also have um, Instagrams. And from the very beginning, we are very particular about what we post on there. You know, it's very intentional. You know, we share our personal life and we also share our business life. And I, we like to do almost equal posts, if not even a little slightly more on the personal side. Um, you know, our stuff comes through very organic. I feel, you know, it doesn't feel like it's, you know, constant ads. You know, usually what we'll do is um, we've even in, in the past, we, I'll have to admit these last couple of months, we've been pretty busy. So it's been a little bit slow on our social media as far as us posting. But, you know, we like to tell the stories behind the transaction. So, you know, hey, this was so-and-so, you know, they contacted us this way and look at them now, like now they're owning a home or, you know, this is, he was 21 and he bought his first home. We kind of tell the stories behind the transactions and we're very intentional about what we post on there. Um, you know, we put a lot of thought into it and, you know, we also try to not, crazily rock the boat too much either if that makes sense um so you know we, we're just about i would say 60 percent personal 40 percent business on there but you know we try it for it not to be salesy and just you know organically share our day sometimes throughout the process right. yeah so it's 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 just that and we i anything that's ever been business for me it's it's usually super organic like i'm not used I'm, i don't think i've ever been the one to really say like Hey, do you know of anybody buying or selling real estate? That's never been my style. I, I did it through success stories. I thought, Hey, like I would rather give this buyer props for buying a house and he's 22 you know, like, Hey, I just helped this guy buy a house. He's 22, you know, and show a picture of him in front of a house. I've always thought like stories will get you business. Asking for business doesn't necessarily, or the one I throw out a lot when I want to do a humble brag is like when, when we do the awards every year, you know, I get the picture, you know, whatever diamond I am and you know, I'll, I'll throw out on my, Facebook, like, you know, Hey, we got this diamond this year. This is all thanks to you guys, our past clients who refer us business. We thank you for everything. So they're always like very like organic, like they're not asking people for business or, or I'll, I'll show a really cool house and just take a photo and say like showing this house. So like people know I'm a realtor, but I'm not asking them for business. And I mean, we probably get, or we probably receive at, at least two, if not three transactions a year through that. And that once again, might not sound like a lot, but when you can like source, you know, $24,000 or whatever a year coming from somebody who went to school that you don't know their number, their ass, but they message you, you know, you're doing something right. Like I just helped a, I actually closed today on a, a house, a, a kid who went to my high school and he reached out to me probably about a year ago, but we just accomplished what he wanted. But he said, Hey, I wanted to call you because obviously we went to school together, but I know you buy rental properties and I, I want to buy a rental property. So like, I never once went out on Facebook and was like, Hey, does anybody want to buy a rental property? They just see me living that life of like, I, you know, I post when I buy a rental property. And right. So I think just like people see your story and they either want to be involved in it or not. And I think what's happening for most people is they don't want to be involved in your story. <laughs> like right. you're giving them like, I've, I had one probably two years ago, 
a girl from high school reached out to me that I hadn't contacted since then. And when I closed on the transaction, she said, Hey, I have a friend who's a realtor, but I just, I've seen your post over the years and you're always very uplifting. You're always very positive. And it was real. Like I left there with the biggest smile because like we intentionally designed our social media that way that like no one wants to know, like if my AC went out in my car or my pool pump doesn't work anymore. I was like, that's not what they're going for. Now don't get me wrong. You still want to be raw and natural, but I just didn't want to use it as a venting session for people. Um, I I read that from people. I don't necessarily, um, you know, it doesn't come off the right way. I like hearing of people, you know, talk about what's going on good. Okay. So how many posts a day though? Dude, Uh, like how many, how many a month is the question. I mean, (laughs) once every three weeks, maybe. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. I gotcha. So we, we've kind of, I, and I've always like had intentions to do more, but it has to me, it's just, it's an organic thing. The second that I, my assistant even emails me, I think once a week, cause I tell her to like post to post and I just, it's gotta be, it's gotta be organic for me. The second that I don't feel natural doing it, I don't. So I'll probably never be the one to develop a business plan that says like post once a day. At that point, it's being forced. I won't say the right things. I'll feel pressured, and then I'm going to say something stupid. Mm-hmm. So at that like, because I got a lot of thoughts. Um, but I, I just do it when it feels right, and then that's the time that I feel it needs to be. That's, that's good advice, though. That's good advice. All right, let's talk listing, buyer appointments. Uh, quick, golden nugget. For a buyer appointment? Listing appointments, buyer appointments. What do you do? Any secrets there? Any secrets you wish someone would have told you way back when? I think it's just game planning. Like, for example, I had a client call me the other day and it's like, hey, I want to, and this is, I really think it's being lost and, and, I'll, and I'll go two ways with this, um, is this, this lady called me and she wants to sell her house and buy a new house. Well, she has a really nice house and wants to buy a nicer house. So sitting at her kitchen table and trying to walk her through this process right now of like, hey, you're going to sell your home in one day and then you're not going to find a house because there's not a lot out there. And being able to consult her through that process of what we're going to have to do. And that's hard. And I think that would be probably the biggest challenge for especially a new realtor right now is sitting down with someone at their kitchen table and trying to tell them how they're going to navigate this process. So I'm not, I mean, I have formal presentations, but I actually rarely ever bring them out. I'm more of a, I got a legal pad usually with me and a calculator at my presentations. And I'm the guy who's like, Hey, what's your loan payoff on this house? And they're like, oh, I owe 208. And I'm like, okay, cool. It's worth probably 300. What's your mortgage payment on this? Okay. What do you want your mortgage payment to be on the next house? How much are you putting down from this house toward your next house? And I can, those numbers all like, if they just answer about five or six questions, I know exactly what's up. I can do the math and be like, okay, they're going to walk away with 56,000. You said your mortgage payment's 1300. You don't want it to be more than 1600. We're putting this down on the next house. I can almost back in that right there at their kitchen table and be like, okay, if you're putting that down on the next house and your interest rate was, you know, 3.1%, this is probably roughly what you're going to be able to buy. Where do you want to live? And then they give that to me. And then I pull it up right there and they're like, and here's the, I think what people love the most is when I pull up the area for them and they're like, Hey, Chris, there's, um, there's no houses in that area. I want to live in for 290. And I'm like, you said it, not me. So what do we want to do next? You know, I'm like, is that really where you want to live? So now do you even want to sell your house? And I think as realtors, we've got to get to a spot where like, we got to do what's best for them. Like, so I have some clients that I sit down over all those numbers and they're like, Hey, like we don't see anything in the area we want to live in. And I'm like, well, do you you, like, what do, why do we need to get there? And if there's not a lot of need to get there, then you might just want to sit tight. Um, Or, Hey, if you want to live in this area and it's, it's not the price point you can afford, then we can go like five miles that way and you can get a house. And I think it's just really like sitting down and consulting them with a calculator. And that's probably the hardest thing for people to do because it's more bottom line conversations that I like to have with them. Right. Um, and I tell them as we go through this process, there might be a point in this where you decide like, Hey, I don't want to do this. And talking to them way makes them realize that you're not trying to sell them a home. You're trying to consult them and game plan with them. And yeah. you're doing the best for them. That's playing the long game and that's, but, but I mean, it's not a game. That's, that's doing the right thing and, and that's serving customers. So great approach and great advice. And it's obvious that's why your business is taking off because you're putting the client's needs first. You're just I mean, we we to get to a point where I think in the last few months, I've told several people not to sell their house when I sat down with them and they're like, why? And I'm like, 
because I asked you how much money you had in your bank and you said you you literally have enough for a down payment on the house you want and extra reserves. So why wouldn't you just keep this? Your mortgage payment's $1,200. I can rent it out for $1,800. So if we go buy a house, I'll help you rent it for virtually free. And then I'll find your, you know, I'll find your renter for you. You'll have to manage it yourself. But I mean, I have two I can think of off the top of my head right now that I met with that they call me to sell their house and buy a new one and awesome. own a new house and they have an investment property. And I can speak that language with them because I 100% believe it because I do it in my own life as far as buying rentals. So I think they see that they know like they can tell that that's my passion. So I'm trying to get them to a point where they have wealth in their life. Like I tell them, Hey, I can make nine G's off selling your house, but right. I would rather you make 7,200 profit a month for the rest of your life. And then I know at that point, like they're going to give me every referral they ever known. So some people can get way too short sighted. Like, ah, oh, you talked yourself out of a $9,000 commission. I'm like thinking in my head, no, no, I didn't. Like they're going to come back to me forever. Right. to refer to all their family and friends because they know I'm going to straight up tell them the truth. And I, I think it's when you're willing to walk away from something and just do honestly what's the right thing, whether there's no dollar amount attached to it. Like that's when people see that you're pure and they know that they, they, they need everyone they know to use that person. That's, that's awesome. All right. So speaking of wealth, I just got to put in a plug. Are you guys using HomeBot? Have you tried it? Have you even looked at it? No, no. Go into the agent marketplace right now. Real smart agent on the left-hand column. You got your nav bar. You got transactions, marketing, etc. You click down at the bottom. There's the agent marketplace. It says marketplace. Click in there. Go check out HomeBot. It speaks. To, it's a tool that is exactly what you were just talking about about helping your homeowners realize the wealth in their own home and even potentially turning into investors. So you got to go check it out. Watch the webinar on HomeBot. Yeah. Uh, but hey, I know you only got a couple minutes left. So I want to ask you one last question then. What does your day look like? What does your week look like? What, you know, that's a fun question. <laughs> that's a can of worms, my man. <laughs> I know, but you got to do it quick. Okay. I want you okay, to do so it in under two minutes, but like three minutes, just tell me a little bit. What do you do like regimented? Like yeah. what are the things you can't do without so one thing we can't do without is our team meeting call in the morning. And you know, lately we've been doing it via Zoom since we have some, you know, working from home. Um, so our team meeting call in the morning, we go through a rundown of all of our active buyers, our active listings, upcoming buyers, upcoming listings. We talk through all of our pending deals so that everybody has an idea of where we're at. Because, you know, it's important that we don't get lost in the weeds every day and forget about a transaction or more importantly, forget about people that, you know, you said you were supposed to call back. So I think that morning team meeting helps us, you know, stay all accountable. And I think it really, you know, helps set your mindset for the day and make sure that you're, you know, you're doing the most important top priority thing that day for your clients. Yeah. And when we talk about our, like, um, our Zoom call in the morning, we both, you know, we both have our own clients, but we have, we step in a lot. They're like, Hey, I can't go show this person. Cause I just got a new lead. Can you go show them? So we, you know, we still have like our own clients, but we do flip flop a lot just based on our day or who we think is better at that specific thing. So our assistant that works directly with us, like us between us two agent one and agent two and our assistant, we're all on the same page with all of our transactions. Now, any of our team's transactions, they're on our spreadsheet, but like our team members aren't necessarily on that meeting. They kind of all take care of their own transactions themselves. So when we're talking like our group meeting in the morning, it's just agent one, agent two, us and our assistant. And we, between us three, we're a collective like, hey, how are, how are we going to get all 16 or 17 of these pendings to the next step? And some days like I'm full and I'm supposed to do something. So I'll have my assistant, you know, do something that normally would be my job, but we try to like pick up the pieces with each other. Um, yeah, but and then on, on days too where, you know, uh, we'll have both appointments that day, you know, we kind of block out time. So if I know he's in an appointment, you know, for the next two hours, you know, I'm available to take incoming calls and we try to stagger it that way if possible. It's not always possible, but we do try to stagger it to allow one person a little bit of time to breathe and, you know, focus on their meeting while the other person's handling any incoming leads. Yeah. And there's days where like, we know each other also, like, we can tell when we're burnt out. So there's days like there's days where like she'll like just pick the pieces, you know, like, right, right. like I have a full day and she knows I need a day off and then she'll just go take care of it. There's days I can tell like, Hey, she's had a long few days. Like I'm just going to, I'm going to have a long day and do her days. And so that's kind of how we do it. But I think 
what's most important is time blocking is an art that, and I'm going to be super honest when I say this is I have tried to design a life around time blocking my whole career. Like I have always every year been like from this time to this time, I'm doing this, this time to this time doing this 15 years of doing this business. I've never figured out the art. What I figured out is how to work hard and just try to figure out the best thing to do at that time. And that's the only way I've been able to manage it. I would love a life where I woke up at a certain time, went to the gym, called leads at a certain time. I mean, I give props to all the agents that can like literally do that every day. I mean, and I have no excuses for us, but I mean, if it's 9.45 and I'm supposed to be calling leads and I have a client who's got a fire that needs to be put out, it just doesn't feel proper for me to be sitting on the phone trying to get like new business when my client's appraisal is falling apart or whatever it may be. You know, it just doesn't seem to me like the thing. It just, my brain's still wanting to help them. And maybe that's why we get so many referrals is because we put that much care into it. Right. But, but so again, we, but again we, that's why I love these interviews because that's everybody's stories. You are obviously successful. And that is what really, that's a part Right? Our days anymore, like over the last probably two months, we get, we get so many leads a day at this point. I mean, I think we've got like six leads just today and four of them came in like an hour. And so it's, it's a fire drill, you know, and we're, we're just like anybody else. We've got, you know, a, a, a doctor appointment today or a vet appointment for our dog. And then I had appointments already scheduled. We got leads coming in, you know, we got personal life. We're trying to take time off. It's just, it's super overwhelming, but I feel like that's the, I mean, when we talk on a daily basis, we've realized now when we go back to that thermostat that to get to a hundred transactions to 200 transactions, it's, it's not going to be hard as far as getting the leads. The leads are there for anybody. It's being able to emotionally get knowing that that many fires are happening in a day and like actually going to find that like everything's not 100% perfect. Right. And I think now just emotionally being able to um, do that is being able to handle that emotionally is probably our biggest, uh, our biggest challenge. Yep. Awesome. We're working on it every well, day. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to have you back. I know your team is growing and down the road as you, and I know you're specifically making some strategic moves to grow from individual agents into a team and maybe even into a larger team. So down the road, I'm going to um, invite you back. And we are going to talk about how do you go from having an individual agent business into a team. But for now, I just thank both of you so much for uh, telling us your story, giving us your secrets. And, you know, in the last um, 60 seconds here of the Real Estate Podcast, do you have any parting comments to the listening audience who are real estate professionals and realtors just like you that you just think they need to know right as we wrap up? Yeah, I think, I think one thing that we can probably both agree on is, you know, it's good to listen to everybody's story and how they got to where they are. But at the end of the day, you got to find out what's going to work for you and your personality. And I think you, I think goal setting is the biggest thing you can do because then you can take what you're already good at and try to find avenues like we did, you know, to bring in additional, you know, revenue streams to your business. And I think if you, you know, can really focus on those goals and, sit down and learn from others. I think that, you know, even working as a single agent, I mean, you can definitely double or probably triple your business by just spending time learning and, and setting those goals. Yeah. That would be my part of my advice as well as I, I listen to a ton of podcasts. Like I listen, I'm probably listening to a real estate podcast in my car every day. There's probably about seven I listen to. And you know, you just hear these people's journeys and you just realize that you could all get to the same transaction or unit goal. But when you hear these people, I mean, you got some people who used to be teachers that, you know, they do like, you know, like they do like uh, seminars and you have people who like to knock people's doors and you have people that like to cold call and then people, some people are great at open houses. You've got all these different avenues to go get a transaction. I think you just got to like figure out what's your, what's your personality. And as I'm getting older, I'm stop. I'm, I'm not I'm not fighting that as much. I used to fight it all the time. Like I want to get business this way until now I just realized like, that's not who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm only older now. I'm not going to go back to, I'm not going to probably change my habits. So I just need to stay in my lane of what I like to do. And I'm, I'm accepting of that now. So I think that more people should, 
just figure out what sings to them, like what makes them want to get up and, and go do real estate and just pick that. Don't just pick something because someone says it makes a good amount of money or it's just not going to be worth it. Well, I got to go back to what you said at the beginning too, um, that don't, you know, you, your mind, what you hear, like don't self-limit yourself. You, you know, you were told it takes six months to get a deal. And later on, you're like, I wish they wouldn't have told me that because I probably could have done it faster. And I just heard that come out overall in your answers, set your own path and make your own way and work hard and serve people and you can be successful. So agent one and agent two, I thank you very much for being here with us today. This has been awesome. And uh, we're going to have you back down the road when you're even doing more. And when you hit that hundred, 200 transaction a year mark. And so just keep up the good work. And for all of you, the listening audience on the real estate podcast, I'm Todd Sumney, the chief industry officer for HomeSpart International. I appreciate all of you joining us here today. And we Hope to see you back on future episodes as I continue this anonymous series, the anonymous interviews with top agents all around the country. And we'll see you next time around on The Real Estate. Take care. Like what you're hearing on The Real Estate? Tell your friends about us. Tell them to check out all of our episodes on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Spotify. And don't forget to send any topics you want us to tackle to therealestate at homesmart.com.